All right, friends, it's hoop ball promo time. This is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league all right friends it's hoop ball promo time this is big because this is our 2020-2021 NBA season product rollout, and I am so excited to tell you about what we've got. We almost never push our hoop ball products, but this is the window of the year where we need to power that engine. So let me tell you what's out. We've got our draft guide, our flagship's shining beacon to the most comprehensive draft guide in fantasy. We cover all over 400 players this season with future access pass to our Brewski 150. Now, if you don't know what the Brewski 150 is, I'm here to give you the need-to-know info. This is the fantasy draft list that has beaten every other list for 10 straight years and new this year for hootball we're unveiling our monthly membership plans featuring our fantasy pass draft guide brewski 150 our new dfs pass premium in-season tools as well as our wager pass for sports bettors everything you need we've got you covered 365 around the clock hoop ball tools is your one-stop shop for your nba treasure trove of fantasy need to know information all that you need and more check us out head to hoop-ball.com or follow at hoopball fantasy on twitter now check it out give us a follow get your tools and win your league the following is a hoop ball presentation Welcome to the Thursday night edition of the Box Score Breakdown. It is December 19th, 2019. I am your host, Alan Strokey. Joined once again, the return, David Bracey, back on the show. How's it going, David? Oh, it's going great. Glad to be back. We missed having you last week. Um, I definitely sound like a madman at times bouncing off of nothing <laughs> so this will help this will definitely keep the show more on uh, on track and yeah man it's, it's always great to have your perspective uh very good slate of games we have to go over tonight we have the atlanta hawks uh t- hosting the utah jazz we had might be not i don't think this is much of a hot take we might have had an nba finals preview tonight the los angeles lakers and the milwaukee bucks that was a really fun one. The Bucks take that one. 
uh, over the Lakers. We had the Brooklyn Nets in the San Antonio Spurs and going on right now, heading into the fourth quarter, is the Houston Rockets versus the Los Angeles Clippers. So tons of interesting teams with tons of interesting players. We are going to get into all of them. But before we do, we need to give a shout out to the best podcast host, uh, sorry, podcast sponsor in the whole well-known universe. It is Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. These guys are great, everyone. It is T-minus six days till Christmas Day. I know there are two things for certain. One, one of you, some uh, number one, a lot of you probably have some gifts that you need to get for these holidays. We're so close. You are just trying to get through all of your shopping. And I'm sure you all have some coffee lovers in your life as well. Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee makes for the perfect stocking stuffer for this holiday season. Try their chocolate macadamia, their hazelnut, the Kona Sunrise. You could get them all on their website, hawaiianisles.com. You can look them up on Amazon, searching Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. And of course, you can find them on Twitter at H-I Kona Coffee. That is H-I-K-O-N-A-C-O-F-F. E-E. Kawhi and Isles, get yourself a cup today. So, David, let's just get right into it. We have the Hawks in the Jazz. I was mentioning to you in the pre-record for the show that I had actually been went to this game tonight in Atlanta, and it was a, a surprisingly competitive one. The Hawks dropped to the Jazz 106-111. Um, for the Utah side of things, Donovan Mitchell led the way with 30 points. Uh, on 12 of 22 shooting, he had five rebounds, five assists, a steal, and four turnovers in 36 minutes played. Rudy Gobert had a good game with 20 points, 13 rebounds, and three block shots. Very standard line for him there. Uh, Bohan Bogdanovich played well, scoring 19 points to go with nine rebounds, two assists, and a three-pointer. And the most interesting guy of this lot, Joe Ingles, who is who has been playing a ton of point guard for the Utah Jazz over the month of December with Mike Conley dealing with his hamstring issue. He is, with Conley now gone for presumably weeks, Ingles has this wide open lane to continue to play point guard, and he has been posting top 40 value while doing it. That did not change tonight. He had 14 points to go with seven rebounds, five assists, two steals, and two three-pointers. Um, and, yeah, I think you know, he, he's the real deal here. David, what do you – what do you see from this Jazz team with Conley gone and Ingles sort of slotted in as the pseudo point guard for the foreseeable future? Well, as crazy as it sounds, honestly, um, I'm, I feel like I'm seeing some life here. And I'm definitely loving what I'm seeing from Jingle and Joe. I've, I've been a big fan. You know, he brings a lot of attitude, some grittiness to the, uh, to the table. So definitely love when he can be involved early and often, uh, getting the team rolling and both him and Donovan Mitchell have been coming on really strong. Bogdanovich has been coming on really strong. And the Jazz, I feel like, are kind of, kind of finally starting to round out and kind of come into form, even though they are still missing Mike Connolly. And as I said last week, I think that the situation with Mike Connolly is as close to a disaster as it could possibly be. So at this point, I think any value that you can, you know, kind of grind out of him for the remainder of the season, any games you can actually get him active for are, are truly to be looked at as a blessing. Oh, totally. I mean, you've nailed, I mean, this jazz team, I mean, they, they just have not been able to adjust to all the new guys they have on the roster. I mean, Bohan 
really kind of fit like a glove for them. He's done a lot of just standard scoring things, and it's really easy to just kind of give him uh, spot-up looks or get him passing, cutting lanes to the basket. Like, it's kind of easy to integrate him, but Mike Conley has been the opposite of a glove fit for this team at point guard. And the, going back to some familiarity with Joe Ingles has made this team better. It's, I think it's helping Rudy Gobert a good amount, as it is as the, the, he and Ingles are helping each other, really. And, yeah, I mean, like, it's just he's going to continue. There's no reason to uh, see that he's going to be anything less than the top 40 guy. He's, for reference, averaging um, 13 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, 6.4 assists, a steal and a half, 2.3 three-pointers, and 50% shooting from the floor and 85% shooting from the free throw line. That is his stat line through the month of December, which is basically the entire time that he has been in this starting role, uh, lead playmaking role. He is, he's going to be a hot commodity moving forward. Um, also worth noting that Rudy Gobert continues to be a horrible free throw shooter. He uh, missed nine of his 19 attempts. Uh, David, I don't know if you've, I mean, I don't know the last time you've been to an NBA game, but I mean, have you, you know, there's all sorts of these promotions that teams will do to sort of get fans uh, even more active. This is probably more of an issue in Atlanta because our fan base is so not into the team and more into <laughs> just being there for the experience that they try and get as many things in there <laughs> as you can to get fans cheering. Um, it's a long-winded way of saying that there's this promotion that the Hawks do called the Foul Shot, which is uh, Foul, F-O-W-L. It's sponsored by Chick-fil-A. And pretty much if there's the opposing team misses two free throws in the fourth quarter, everyone in the arena gets a free chicken sandwich. And uh, there was a moment in this game where the Hawks maybe had a chance. They were down three with 30 seconds to, to sort of get back into it. Uh, the whole crowd was on their feet. Really, it, really like the most energy they expressed all night. Um, Donovan Mitchell ends up dribbling the clock out, hitting two free throws to ice it with 13 seconds to go. Um, and a little bit later, Rudy Gobert's put on the line and he misses both of his free throws in the entire stadium just goes absolutely ballistic. Like, you know, we'd won the game <laughs> and it's just, it, it's just, it was just pretty funny. Um, I knew Rudy Gobert would be able to help provide that free chicken tonight. So thank you for that, Rudy. <laughs> That's, uh, thank you for that. Thank you for giving the Hawks fans something to cheer about as well. Uh, it's an amazing been, promotion. It's a great promotion. It really gets them going anytime, you know. Just everyone is going nuts for it. Even the jazz fans that were there. And there were jazz fans there. Amazingly, there's a good, good amount. Um, <laughs> let's see. So I guess that's a decent segue to go to the, uh, the Hawks, which actually they had a, they came into this night with a pretty interesting lineup change. Uh, Jabari Parker moved to the bench in favor of Cam Reddish DeAndre Hunter and Kevin Herter all starting uh, alongside each other in the starting unit and Bruno Fernando moving into the starting lineup at center. And, you know, there's a few reasons that could probably explain all this switching. The first would probably be that the Hawks lost to the Knicks by 25 in their last game, which is uh, they, they now deserve the second worst record in the NBA that they're saddled with because that's pathetic. And probably some sort of mandate from within the organization, just like, all right, you guys got to try something else. I know John Collins is out, but this isn't working. Uh, Lloyd Pierce, I think, before the game said that he wanted to get some of these young guys together. And you could also make the art, uh, you know, get them more experienced with one another. And it's also you can make the argument that Jabari's moving to the bench in preparation for John Collins returning 
which is probably it's likely that Parker will continue to go back, be a six man and score there. So a lot to take apart in that respect. Um, I guess we can start with Parker, who played well in 24 minutes. He had 23 points with nine rebounds, five assists in a steal, one three pointer, 10 of 16 shooting. Uh, played a lot of small ball five in this one. Uh, Damian Jones, who had been starting at center previously, got a DNP. He did not see any time at all. So it was uh, Fernando, Alex Lynn, and Jabari Parker playing most of the five. The uh, aforementioned Fernando, who started in this one, only saw four points, six rebounds, an assist, and nothing else in 17 minutes. I don't think he's worth an ad in pretty much any setting. Uh, Trey Young was off to doing Trey Young things, 30 points, five rebounds, eight assists, and a steal with three three three-pointers and a really rough 9 of 28 shooting from the field. And uh, you you sort of take what you get with that. And in that respect, the volume is going to stay high and the shot will fluctuate. And uh, the most interesting guy from a fantasy perspective is probably Kevin Herter right now who is continuing to ramp up. Uh, he's seeing th- uh, 32 minutes in this ball game in route to 17 points, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal with three three-pointers. Um, what do you – so I, I find Kevin Herter and Jabari Parker to be two guys in, heading in two very interesting directions with this Hawks team right now. Herter obviously on the rise and Jabari Parker uh, being threatened with Collins' return. How do you view these two players – kind of like rest of the season outlook? Um, I think you're right. They're definitely kind of moving in opposite directions. I would say Herder's definitely trending up. Um, as long as he can stay in the lineup and healthy, I think that he has some real opportunity here. And the one thing that the Hawks definitely need is floor spacing. Um, they have a lot of guys who are getting shots up, but not really making a lot. Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, while they are somewhat of perimeter players, they don't really have necessarily – a developed outside game and Herder. I mean, I believe the guy's like, was he like six, 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 seven? I mean, the guy's huge for a shooting guard. So really, yeah, really versatile out there. Yeah, I mean, really, which which is, I mean, credit to him. I mean, he that goes a lot, really underrated part of his game, definitely, and adds to the defensive versatility that thinks he think he brings to the table. So I definitely think Herder would be the guy I would rather have between the two. As far as Parker's concerned, I think the Hawks definitely will need some sort of scoring uh, push off of the bench um, because as we've clearly seen when John Collins is off the floor, it's the Trey young show. So outside of those two, Jabari is going to be probably the only other guy coming off the bench with that green light. So I think more, probably more suited for a points league um, as far as what he's going to be bringing to the table. But yeah, like you said, kind of moving in opposite directions. Yeah. And you know, there's an argument to be made that Jabari has earned the right to play more than the uh, – he was seeing like low to mid-20 minutes for the first five games of the season. You know, that he, he's played well. The Hawks aren't exactly winning as a result, um, but he is doing things out there. He is one of these guys who can get his own shot, and these Hawks are just so poor in that respect outside Trey Young of guys who can get their own. So he could stay around 26 minutes in a bench roll. But the volume is just so critical to his success, and it's hard for me to see uh, anything close to the guy we've seen over the last couple of months. It's a good chance that he could be a fringe top 100 guy. And Herter, is, he's, his role is increasing with this team, uh, playing some backup point guard. He, uh, there's a lot of moments where Trey Young and he would uh, alternate between those uh, ball handling duties in this one. Uh, he didn't collect that many assists. He only had two. But he has, his assist numbers have really gone up 
since he has returned to action from his shoulder injury about seven games ago. For reference, he's been a top 120 player in his last seven games, averaging close to 10 points, three and a half rebounds, and four assists with 1.3 steals and two threes made a game, which is a great line. He's just not hitting his shots right now. So if that percentage comes up from its current 37 to maybe like low 40s, he you could have a top 90 guy. I really believe that. So he's... I, I'm he's the guy I want in that calculus as well. Um, and while we're stick here a little bit longer, how do you what do you expect from the John Collins return here? Because he's going to mix. Uh, you know, he was drafted with high hopes of being a second to third round type of player. Do you see that in his future? Yeah, I definitely think. Um, I mean, a note came out today. I saw a report um, saying that they were going to they're planning on inserting him in the starting lineup as center. I mean, day one. So. I really expect him to kind of hit the ground running, and I'm really looking forward to uh, the production that he's going to be able to bring to the table because, as I said, the Hawks are pretty starved um, offensively and otherwise uh, for for some star power, and Trey Young definitely in the absence of Collins has really, really been hurting and kind of feeling that burn. So I think the Hawks will kind of be um, in, in a kind of a in kind of a hurry to get things in, in kind of a, a positive direction. So I'm looking forward to Collins coming back, I believe, Monday, Monday correct? Yes, yeah, the 23rd is against the Cavs. So also, you know, good competition to get back into things. Um, but oh, so yeah. you, so you do see that sort of second, third round upside with him. Yeah, I definitely do personally. I mean, I just don't see anything getting in his way as long as he's able to stay healthy and able to stay away from PEDs. We shouldn't have any issues. <laughs> Please, no more steroids in the smoothies, John. We, yes. uh, we, 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 we understand things happen, but. Um, just speaking from a fan's perspective here, it has been really, really hard to watch well, with you out. <laughs> so uh, the less steroids in the smoothie, the better. Can't wait to see you back out there. Please. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, let's let's get a, let's move away from the Hawks uh, before you know, I start tearing up here. And we'll move on to our second game of the night, the marquee game, if you will. Everyone was watching this. And David... Uh, this is my finals pick right now. I mean, we can diverge a little bit for the fantasy stuff. Do you have, uh, with a third of the way into the season, who, who do you have? Who do you think coming out of the West, coming out of the East? Um, I think it's definitely going to be L.A. Um, however, I'm favoring the Clippers a little bit more than the Lakers at this point. Um, just because I think in a seven-game playoff series, the Clippers are going to be a little bit more deep defensively. But I definitely think as far as the East is concerned, I had hopes for the Sixers, but they still look like they're trying to figure it out. And for a team that, I mean, they've cobbled together a new squad. So, I mean, that probably adds to a little bit of the confusion there. But the Bucks know who they are, even though they've lost Brogdon. They still look incredibly strong. I mean, Bledsoe's been out of the lineup, and they still have just been rolling through people. I mean, you saw the ninth game, didn't have Bledsoe. Brooke Lopez finally came back to life. The Bucks are looking really, really strong. So I think you, yeah. I think you're right. This is looking like a finals pick. Definitely, yeah. I'm with you. I'm 100% on the Bucks side of the East right now. I think a lot of people are just because of how dominant they've looked. Philadelphia definitely has that upside if the starting five can really find their groove together because it's just length still is one of the dominating attributes to success in today's league, and they've got it in droves. Um, just a lot of versatility there, but Milwaukee seems like the surefire thing. And I think I'm going with the Lakers if I'm to pick one of those two teams right now. I know the Clippers have a much more stacked roster, but I just, I don't know. 
I can't really give much analysis. I just I'm so inspired watching LeBron James and Anthony Davis play together. It just they I think they're far and away the best duo in the NBA, both from a stylistic perspective and maybe even just a pure talent perspective. Uh, these two are just a, they're just so so damn good together. Um, and I, I just I like to defer to the, the stars when it comes to this sort of thing. Um, but that's a great segue to go into what they did tonight. And Anthony Davis had a monster game. He had 36 points, 10 rebounds, five assists, a steal, and three blocks, doing what he usually does. He missed all six of his three-point attempts, dragging his field goal percentage down a little bit, but he was fine pretty much in every facet of the game as he usually is. LeBron James triple-doubled with 21 points, 12 rebounds, and 11 assists. He had three three-pointers and shot eight of 19 from the floor. Uh Danny Green had one of his hot nights. He had 21 points on seven of 12 three-point shooting. He shot 13 shots total, so only one was not a three-pointer, and he missed it. Uh, so he had seven threes, four rebounds, and a blocked shot. He's a continuous end-of-the-top-90 sort of player that should always be on teams, even if he is super frustrating because you just never really know what you're going to get out of him. Um, but this is one of those games where he was on it. And then Contavious Caldwell Pope had 18 points. And outside of that, those four guys, the Lakers only scored eight points between JaVale McGee, uh, one basket from Dwight Howard, and one basket from Rajon Rondo. Uh, do you have any thoughts on sort of the Lakers, the, the other Lakers on this team? There's been some stuff from, you know, Rajon Rondo's had some flashy games here and there statistically, like, I'm not the biggest Rondo fan from a fantasy perspective, but he does have that counting stat upside. Uh, Alex Caruso has played pretty well of late. Uh, Avery Bradley's threatening for minutes. Do you do you think any of these guys are ever going to be able to move away from one another and sort of get some sort of semblance of fantasy value? You know, truthfully, uh, I, I don't. I think, unfortunately, these guys are – I mean, Rondo – Rondo, as you said, he he has that those cash counters uh, as far as that upside, but he's more of a. I think at this point in time, he's just more of a veteran fixture on this roster and less of a truly valuable contributor to the team. And then with the other menagerie of guys, I think that they are more likely to be silly season all stars than anything else. And <laughs> unfortunately for them, the Lakers are looking like title contenders, so I just don't see that silly season setting in for them. And, so it's just kind of a short draw. Yeah, that's that's sort of my deal too. Um, I think I don't think that there's any reason that any of them should break away from each other. The Lakers have been doing well with sort of staggering these guys' minutes all over the place and just sort of having plug and play. Alex Caruso does have a very appealing upside. Um, maybe not very appealing, but of that group, he'd be most appealing upside. And if those two were to ever be out of the way for an extended period of time, I'd be interested in seeing what he could do. But obviously that time is, we're not there yet. Um, so yeah, Lakers pretty simple team. Uh, why don't you take the, why don't you take the Milwaukee Bucks side of things here? All right. Yeah. For the Bucks, it was a, it was a great performance tonight from Giannis had 34 points in 32 minutes. 7-10 from the free throw line and five three-pointers. So you're loving the three-point production from him this season. 11 rebounds, seven assists, a steal, and a block. I mean, he is putting on really, really strong performances night in and night out and looks like he is really de- determined to repeat as the MVP this season. 
Brooke Lopez rounded back into form in 32 minutes on 10 points. Didn't have any three-pointers tonight, but had four rebounds, two assists, four steals, and three blocks. So absolutely love the cash counters, big cash counters tonight from Brooke. Wes Matthews got 30 minutes. Didn't do a whole lot in him, but maybe he's a three-point specialist, has some value there. 13 points, three three-pointers, four rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block. And then DiVincenzo inserted in the starting lineup and Bledsoe's absence, 27 minutes tonight. Only five points, six rebounds, six assists, two steals. Has some defensive upside, but again, this is guy. This guy's probably more suited for a 12-team league. And then surprisingly for the night, George Hill off the bench, 27 minutes, 21 points, 7-12 from the field, three rebounds, one turnover, one assist, no defensive stats, but really a big offensive output tonight from him. And they definitely needed it going against the Lakers who are going to have two heavy hitters bring in the points every single night in Anthony Davis and LeBron. So I'm really expecting it to be a night in, night out kind of next man up approach for the for the Bucks in the absence of blood. So even if it is a short term absence, but I think George Hill, um, as far as him scoring 20 points consistently, that that's that's definitely out the window. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I mean, he's not going to be scoring that level every night. Um, and he, he does – I do think there is some sneaky usefulness to him. I'm not going to say upside because George Hill does not possess that at this stage of his career. We kind of know what he is. But he's getting – he was already a sort of a fringe top 100 player when Bledsoe was in the lineup. And a lot of that is due to his you know ability to get a smattering of assists in a three-pointer or, or two here and there maybe one steal, but really it's his impeccable shooting percentage. He's just been on fire from the field and the line shooting over 50% from the field through the month of December. I think 55 from the floor and 94 from the free throw line. He's a top 88 player. He is ranked the top 88th player in nine cat through that run. So if you need just like to some help to your percentages and are in need of any some small, small amount of those stats. I, I do like George Hill for the time being, but like, uh, like you said, David, it, it's, it's not going to be exactly consistency for this buck scene. I think that, uh, you know, David Chenzo's has some interesting upside, but I don't think that he's that consistent either. Um, George Hill at the very least is consistent. So if you want a boring guy at the end of your bench, he could be worth a look. Let's see here. And, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much all the guys of note on this team. Do you have any final thoughts before we move on to our next game? Uh, the only other thing I would say is that Chris Middleton, I think, you know, where he was drafted at, he it's hard for me to say anything negative about the guy, truthfully, but he just mm-hmm. has become one of those players that's just a middle-of-the-road fantasy guy. And you really hate to see that, but it tends it, – it, for some reason, it appears to be a trend after guys get their contract that the season after that they just kind of become these middle-of-the-road players. And unfortunately for those of us who bought into the whole big contract Chris Middleton, it, it doesn't look like he's going to be a big contract guy as far as his fancy output this season. Yeah, I, I don't own him anywhere because I think uh, – I, I just was – it just never really broke. I thought about him for, you know, some of the middle-round – Maybe guy who could compete a little higher, break his upside. But yeah, um, he, he doesn't look like he has the greatest path to beating his ADP. Which I'm not sure what, I, can't, I wish I remember what that was. But yeah, no, it wasn't the most inspiring game from him tonight. You hope that he bounces back with something better in his next one. 
So why don't we move on to the Brooklyn Nets and the San Antonio Spurs, the third game on the docket tonight. The San Antonio Spurs ended up beating the Brooklyn Nets 118 to 105. We'll start with the Nets side of things where Spencer Dinwiddie had himself a night, his career high 41 points. He did so on 14 of 29 shooting with four three-pointers, nine of 10 from the free throw line, added five assists, no defensive stats, and a rebound to that line. He continues to be the lead dog with Kyrie Irving out, which I assume is going to be coming to an end sometime maybe next week, perhaps after the holidays. It's it's definitely close, and that's going to be a really interesting sort of situation to monitor. Um, you know, Dinwiddie has obviously been a huge boon to owners that had him throughout this month-long stretch that Irving's been gone, but, you know... There's definitely a drop-off coming. Dinwiddie is a guy similar to uh, how we were talking about Jabari Parker earlier. He's a guy who thrives with volume and fails without it. So he, he's definitely – I this is the kind of game that I would think to try and sell high on this kind of guy. What do you think, David? 41 points out of Spencer Dinwiddie. You trying to move off of him? Oh, 100%. You have not already, definitely. This is the last call, I think, because uh, – that was a huge performance from him. And like you said, he thrives in a volume-based situation. And that volume is going to be running short pretty soon here. Yeah. And it's also worth noting that his points output have a way of obscuring the lack of other stuff that's going on with his fantasy game. You know, in the, throughout the month of December, through his nine games so far, which includes the one that he had tonight, he's ranked top 90 in nine category leagues. Like he's the 90th ranked player. George Hill, who we were just talking about, is two spots ahead of him. He's averaging 26 points a game with two three-pointers and 6.8 assists. He's just not doing anything else with that. Like His percentages are very much down the middle. He's high turnovers. Uh, I, I think that you know, yeah, that scoring output can help maybe bump him in a sell-high scenario. Um, what else on this box score looks interesting to you, David? You know, I think that it was a pretty good game from Jared Allen again, and he's strung together a couple pretty good ones. 19 points tonight, 13 rebounds, six assists, a steal, and a block. Um, been putting together some pretty strong performances, and it's looking like they're really starting to realize the talent that they have in Jared and starting to fade DeAndre, which we knew inevitably would happen, but for some reason they signed DeAndre in the offseason. Probably had something to do with, you know, those two guys, KD and Kyrie, showing up, but... We'll never know for sure. Um, but, yeah, definitely liking what I'm seeing out of Jarrett. So really, really love that and hope that you continue getting the minutes and the opportunity. Yeah, so definitely definitely a good ball game. I've definitely – I've dubbed this situation the worst timeshare in the league. And that's mostly just having to do with the fact that Jarrett Allen has just got this tantalizing upside that Jordan is just – he, he, the name cachet with DeAndre and the fact that he's not necessarily a washed up kind of guy, like he deserves playing time. And the fact that they're just the same player is just such an ugly timeshare situation. Jared Allen could be so much better if uh, Jordan weren't there. Hopefully he's the kind of guy who breaks out maybe in the second half of the season if the Nets, you know, I mean, it's the East, never mind. It, I was going to say if the Nets are out of playoff contention, they could maybe lean into the young guys, but you know, they're, 15 and 13 right now. That's probably going to get you into the playoffs. Maybe even as like a maybe even as like a six seed down the road. I mean, I don't think there's a chance they miss it. Uh, let's see. Uh, Garrett Temple, I guess, is worth talking about because he's had a lot of burn. Um, 
with Kyrie Irving out and Karis LeVert out. Uh, he had saw 34 minutes in this one with 10 points, three rebounds, two assists, and three steals, which are great, but he only shot two of 12 from the field. Not great. Um, he's been trending down recently. He's been sort of, uh, over the last couple of weeks, plucking away at like sort of top 90 value as like an end of bench guy that could give you some stuff, some, you know, smattering of rebounds and assists and threes. Uh, but you know, with Kyrie coming back, he's definitely another guy who's going to take a massive hit. He's probably a drop in most settings. Uh, Torian Prince, he had nine points, seven rebounds, two steals, three of nine shooting. Um, you know, he's floating right around the top 120 in uh, nine category leagues through the month of December, which is kind of where he's been at. And it's he's actually played really well in a lot of different areas, but his field goal shooting is just is abysmal. It's thirty three it's thirty three percent from the floor on twelve shots a game. That will kill you. Um, that will really kill you. Uh, so he needs to figure that shot out. Maybe having Irving back around can help him get some better looks, but that will remain to be seen. And uh, that's about it for the Nets. I, I guess it's also worth mentioning the sad uh, sad news for David Nwaba who. Um, it was a tore his Achilles in this one. He's probably out for the year. Um, he was playing about 16 minutes a game through this month. So there's probably some stuff to go around. You probably get uh, Garrett Temple, who's probably played himself into a larger role with this team overall. He'll probably absorb a lot of those. Um, there was a, and I looked this name up just so I could make sure to pronounce it right. It's Timote Luawu Cabarro. Um, he had 22 minutes off the bench and didn't do much with them. He, he, he could also see some extended run, but he is not a guy who's on my radar in pretty much any setting. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the Brooklyn net side of things. Uh, David, what do we see on the Spurs side? All right. On the Spurs side, it was a, it was a rock fight tonight from DeMar DeRozan. 414 from the field for only 12 points, four rebounds, six assists, four turnovers and a steal. He's really been struggling lately. Um, definitely a good buy-low option because I think that he's going to normalize. Definitely a guy capable of scoring more than 12 points. Um, really, truthfully, the only fantasy value that he does consistently bring would be his scoring output. So you expect that to kind of normalize. So, like I said, opportunity here to buy-low if you're interested. Possibility of him getting moved off of the Spurs. So it's an interesting situation to monitor. Marcus Aldridge got 20 points tonight on 9-17 of 17 from the field with 10 rebounds and 2 assists. A steal and four blocks. Uh, really, really strong defensive output tonight from Lamarcus. Uh, really been one of the better Spurs this season, which is a little bit surprising, honestly, because he's getting older and older. And we kind of wondered if they were going to fade the, fade some of their older guys as they kind of figure out what they're doing and what is looking like. It's probably going to be Pops last year under the helm. And then tonight, Deontay Murray won the uh, minute share, 13 points in 27 minutes, 5-7 from the field. Six rebounds, five assists, three steals, and only one turnover. And then counterpart Derek White, 20 minutes, 13 points on five, six from the field, five rebounds, three assists, <clears throat> three steals, and three turnovers. So those two continue to be a very interesting backcourt uh, situation to monitor. I'm wondering what would end up happening if DeRozan was eventually moved out because I think White would definitely be the guy that you would want to own and probably is the guy that you want to own right now. Um, in, in honestly, in the conversation between him and the other backup point guard, which is Patty Mills, who had the bigger out, offensive output tonight with 27 points in 25 minutes on 8 of 14 from the field. But outside of those points, didn't really bring a whole lot else to the table, only two assists and one rebound. So 
as I said, I think White is a very interesting guy, and hopefully he can continue to get some more run as the season kind of rounds out for the Spurs and what's looking like what might be uh, first for them. I've been looking at the playoffs from the outside in. Yeah. Um, yeah I, th- I like how you sort of connected White's outlook to DeMar DeRozan's future with that team, because I I do think if he has a future of fantasy value here, it's going to have to come out of those minutes instead of Murray's, who, you know, he's the minutes restriction is off. He's been winning these minutes battles with White more often than not over the course of the month. And he, he's really starting to come into his own. Uh, it might get, it might surprise you where he's ranked, uh, uh, where DeJounte is ranked on the month of December. He is inside the top 30 in seven games. He uh, is averaging about 11 points a game, five and a half rebounds, four assists, in a crazy high uh, 2.6 steals. That's um, probably not sustainable. And the shooting's really good for him, too. Uh I think that it's his job, really. I think it's always it was always supposed to be. He was always the more intriguing prospect. He he just he's able to do more defensively. He's not necessarily the greatest fit in this uh, with these you know Demar Derozan and Marcus Aldridge, but I think his fantasy value is going to start seeing an upswing, uh, where I think you can maybe start seeing some more consistently. I say that very cautiously because nothing about this Spurs season has been. Uh, inspiring or consistent or anything like that. But yeah, I think you made a great point that white probably going forward, if he's going to get to that fantasy threshold, it's probably going to have to come through some other means than the starting point guard role. Um, Do you have any other thoughts on the Spurs before we sort of transition to our final game on the night? No, I think we covered it. Yeah, that seems to be, you know, they're, they're a pretty easy team to take apart these days before we get to the Rockets. And the Clippers, which is an exciting ball game right now. Big, uh, big runs being made. But before we get to that, I have to tell you guys about the Aaron Bruski newsletter, Hoopball's official newsletter. He does one every Monday for every Monday morning, every week of the NBA season. It is a cornucopia of fantasy knowledge. Aaron puts a ton of effort into these. You can tell just by going through it. He, he jumps from different topics, such as his favorite general league-wide story of the week. He is, you know, he obviously the Sacramento Kings guru he is. He gives a very detailed breakdown about how he sees what, what, how he sees what they're doing could be better. Um, how Rashawn Holmes could be a part of that, perhaps. He uh, talks about every single team in the NBA. And he also gives you a little slice of life. It is the full package. It is something that you need in order to succeed with all of these, with thousands upon thousands of subscribers to it. There's a good chance there's someone in your league who is getting this info on a weekly basis. Don't miss out. You can get on it yourself before it drops next Monday. 10 seconds. Just go to hoop-ball.com slash newsletter. Throw in your email address and hop on board the best newsletter in the business this upcoming Monday. And now, our last game on the docket, which is slowly a lot, lot of uh, time stoppages in this one. We, you know, started. I think I think we started recording this podcast with like two minutes left in the third quarter, and there's five minutes left 
in the fourth right now. Clippers are up 111 to 105. It's been a back and forth affair. Uh, the, they, the Clippers have had a huge fourth quarter run to sort of get themselves back into the, the pole position with, uh, against this Rockets team. A really fun game. Uh, we'll start with, this Rocket, with, uh, with the Rockets. Russell Westbrook has 37 points in this one, nine rebounds, five assists, and a steal to this point. He also has seven turnovers, and he's also shooting, taken 30 shots to get to that point. He is, <laughs> he is consistent. In, in where he hurts you. <laughs> That's one way uh, to put it. Yeah, I mean, it, this is much better than the last time I think you and I talked about Russell Westbrook where he had just this awful, like, 28 shots to get to, like, something like 19 points, something horrific like that. Uh, he's been playing better of late to his credit, but uh, I, he's obviously not my kind of fantasy player. James Harden at the moment has 20 points with nine assists and two steals with three three-pointers on five of 11 shooting. Clint Capella has 14 points, seven rebounds, four steals, and a block on seven of eight shooting through 34 minutes. And uh, Daniel House Jr. in the starting lineup, um, probably the hot-button rocket of the moment. Daniel House Jr. has been really, really struggling of late since he's he missed a few games with, uh, with that illness. Um, he He's in the starting lineup tonight, and he's doing a little bit better. He has 10 points to this point with three rebounds, four assists, in two three-pointers and 31 minutes played. He's still some time here for him to maybe collect a defensive stat or two, which is kind of where he makes his money. A um, lot of tons of people, both on Twitter and the Hoopball forums, a lot of you are asking whether or not it's time to drop Daniel House, and I really don't think that it's that time quite yet. He has been well inside the top 100, well inside the top 70 for the majority of the season doing a lot of those little things that help your fantasy team be successful with all those cash counters. And there's just, there's just no reason in my mind to see that that's just an aberration. He, he really is a guy who's capable of getting the threes, the steals and your, your, your collection of boards on decent shoot on low volume, high percentages. He's just a great kind of guy. I mean, do you have any thoughts on Daniel house? Have you seen him hit the wire in any of your leagues? Um, in the leagues where he did, I definitely corrected that problem. I have <laughs> several shares of of Mr. House, and unfortunately, the house has been a little shaky as of late, but Ooh, I think one. it's a solid foundation. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I've been workshopping that. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> I think it's uh, I think he's sitting on a solid foundation, though, overall. And yeah, it's, the production has been a little rocky lately, but he was coming off of that weird illness. Um, I think that there was maybe some question about whether or not he had some kind of shoulder situation going on. So really the biggest takeaway, I think, is the fact that there's really nobody else to challenge him for minutes in production. Yeah, Ben McElmore has been making a couple shots and had a couple of good games here and there. But, I mean, we've seen him in several different jerseys, and it's the same guy. So I'm really not buying into that. And Eric Gordon is definitely um, – kind of on the on the opposite end of where we would hope um where we would probably hope he would be from a fantasy value perspective at this point but I mean he he's been around the league for a little bit and as I said House is a younger guy a guy that the front office in Houston really really liked and is invested in so I think he's a strong hold and somebody who is going to round out uh round out and come back to form uh before too long yeah definitely agree on that and uh he uh, has collected a fifth assist since we started talking about him in this conversation. So keep getting those stats, Daniel. Hopefully, make us make us make us look even more right by the end of this game. <laughs> um, PJ Tucker is another one of those guys who does a little bit of everything. He's having an okay ball game with eight points, eight rebounds, and assists in two blocks through 33 minutes. Um, 
And then McLemore, who's now coming off the bench and has been a guy that people have been very interested in because of his hot scoring stretch. Well, he's uh, he's got eight points for you on two, three of six shooting, three rebounds and assists. Uh, yeah, um, I, Ben McLemore's been around for a while, guys, and he has never been the kind of guy that the, the Ray Allen type that people were saying he was heading into that draft from all those years ago. I don't see that changing anytime soon. Um, he's very he's a fringe guy in my mind. Um, right, that's if you have any more thoughts on the Rockets before we get to our last team of the night. No. Yeah, nah, me neither. Uh, score check. It is now one six. I told you guys it was back and forth. It's one sixteen. Uh, Rockets to 113 Clippers. James Harden just put them up by three with three minutes left to go here. Um, Clippers side of things is basically how it's been for a while now. Um, let me see here. Was yeah, I think th- this is a mostly healthy rendition of the Clippers, which has been odd this year that we have not seen a fully healthy roster from them in quite some time. I think the only player that they're missing is uh, Jermichael Green in this one. Um, let's start with the stars. Kawhi Leonard in 33 minutes, he's got 25 points, nine boards, four assists and a steal on nine of 17 shooting from the floor with two threes. Paul George is leading the scoring charge for the LA side. He has 30 points with nine boards, three assists, two steals, two blocks and six three pointers. He's been tremendous since coming back into action. Um, Patrick Beverly's having himself a pretty good ball game. Ten points, seven assists, four steals, and two rebounds on four of nine shooting with two threes. And a block, too. You know, I had – God, I hate seeing that. I had Beverly. I drafted him at the start of the season, and he it took him a while to sort of get himself up to speed. He had a ton of clunky games, and I, I needed to free up a roster spot, and I, I dropped him, and he's just he's just been great. Oh, I think he actually just got ejected. As I as we're speaking right now, yep, yeah, he's out of there. I don't really know what happened, but yeah, Patrick Beverly is gone. <laughs> so <laughs> that's his yeah, final. They tossed Lou Will earlier too, so two for two tonight. Oh man, yeah, so he's gone. That's his final line of the night. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, Lou Williams, like you said, was ejected. He only saw 17 minutes. He has six points in this game, three assists, two steals, and a rebound. Landry Shamit has sort of stepped into Lou's role as a result, and he's having an okay ball game with 13 points off the bench, four of seven shooting, uh, all four of three pointers, two rebounds, two assists, and two blocks. Do uh, you have any sort of read on Landry Shamit? I admit, I don't really have any fantasy thoughts on him, but he was definitely, he's definitely an interesting sort of three point sort of guy. Do you, what, what do you make out of him? Yeah, I definitely think as a three-point streamer or specialist, he has a lot of potential in, in any situation where Pat Beverly or Lou William is going to be out of the lineup for an extended period of time. I definitely think they're going to be relying on him pretty heavily because, I mean, he's a great shooter and he brings a very, very needed component to their team outside scoring, spacing. Um, so I like Shim, definitely, especially in a deeper setting. Yeah, I think he's got some upside there. And, you know, you can never – you can never find too many sources, three-pointers, with how many guys can shoot them these days. And Landry Shamit is definitely that's his that's his calling with this team. I know Doc Rivers has got some JJ Redick packages for him somewhere in the in the tank. So I, I like him as a three-point streaming option. Uh, let's see who else on this team is worth talking about. Montrez Harrell, he has 19 points on nine to 12 shooting with five rebounds in a steal. That is 
that's what you have him for. No blocks, I guess, is the one thing you'd be hoping for there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the other guys, you know, the other two starters, uh, aside from Leonard, George, and Beverly in this one, are Ivica Subac, who is seeing his usual low minutes usage and is having a, a not very productive game with it. Only three points, four rebounds, and an assist on 15 or sorry, I have one of six shooting in 15 minutes. And Mo Harkless, he has 16 minutes in this game, no points, a rebound, an assist, and a block. I, Harkless definitely has some some sort of interesting upside with the, the defensive acumen. Um, I know that the team really likes his play, but I don't think that he's worth much more than anything in, as a 16-team kind of guy. And... Uh, yeah, I, I think I don't really know if there's anything else to add on this Clippers team right now, aside from the fact that you get them in the Rockets together and they play one hell of a slow ball game. There's still two and a half minutes left in this one. Uh, score right now is Rockets 120 to Clippers 113. Uh, any other any other thoughts we ha- you have here? Anything you want to get on the Clippers before we end our podcast tonight? No, I think the only thing to watch with the Clippers is to see what happens uh, with the trade deadline. I think that they're definitely going to be active, perhaps in the buyout market as well. And I think whatever Clippers team we're looking at right now isn't necessarily the one that whoever comes out of the East or whoever ends up in the conference final, which will be the Lakers, will likely see. So <laughs> it's a good point. Uh, you know, I, I, th- I, of those two LA teams, and you know, the, we were considering them like the neck and neck guys for, uh, that conference title. Uh, the Clippers also have a lot of, you know, assets that they could move around. Um, I don't really know who that would be for this team. It's kind of hard to make a call like that in December, but I, I agree that they, they either, they have some interesting options either in that buyout market or maybe even trying to make some upgrades with some of the extra guys around their roster. And uh, that's going to do it for us uh, for today's show guys. Um, if you like what you're hearing, please rate and review the podcast. Uh, you could give us both a follow on Twitter. David, where can the good people follow you? Follow me on Twitter, DFB underscore three. Hit me up. Hit them up, guys, and hit me up as well. You can follow me at my name, at Alan Srochi. That is A-L-A-N-S-R-O-C-H-I. Um yeah, that's going to be it for us. Uh, I'm going to, you know, bit of uh, news here is that, you know, this is probably my, this is going to be my last show on the Thursday block of the podcast. I'm going to be moving around. David, you will continue to hold down the fort here. I'm going to miss doing these shows with you, but I'd also look forward to hearing you do some cool, some stuff on the solo side for a while. And eventually you'll probably get a new host in here. Um, but yeah, man, it's been real. I, I really appreciated doing these with you. Alan, man, it's been a pleasure, and I will definitely continue to carry the torch for you. Big things coming your way. Uh, I'm, for, for the both of us, give us a follow on Twitter, guys. We hope you have a wonderful weekend, holiday season, all of that. We will talk to you later. Later, guys. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.